Hello, hello, hello. It is me. It is me, your True Hill Phenom, SP3. We are back once again with another exclusive interview for True Heels, BTR, Between the Ropes. This time we have somebody I've been following his career for a very, very long time. Someone I'm very excited to talk to here. Former multi-time tag team champion, former Ring of Honor television champion, two-time NXT tag team champion, three-time ROH tag team champion. He is the infamous one bobby fish how you doing bobby <laughs> i'm doing good man thank you for the uh introduction and uh yeah man when i when i hear that back um it makes me think because like sometimes uh we don't always see ourselves the way others see us right and like i've always you know like i i see the tag team thing and i see the you know but i man i i've had a long career so there's been uh a lot of uh, a lot of time not tagging but that's the the stuff that um i i don't know i'll put it this way i hear that the tag team thing sometimes and i'm like who me what and then i hear like that list and i'm like oh you know what yeah you're, you're pretty much yeah i can see why people make that uh you know or like uh say that yeah no, most definitely, man. Like I said, I've been following your career for a very long time. I was one of the kind of the, I used to call ourselves the ROH Hammerstein marks. So every uh, show in New York at the Hammerstein Ballroom, I was there. I remember, you know, first time seeing you live when you came into Ring of Honor back at, mm -hmm. I think it was like Final Battle 2012, uh, mm -hmm. all those years ago. So I, yeah. I've seen your career from the, like your start in Ring of Honor, but I know your yeah. career goes back so many so many years before that as well but right now you have a lot going on you know you're you're dealing i've seen you kind of dabble in boxing mma yeah. world you have your own podcast let's let the people know kind of what's your what's up to speed on what's going on with you right now tell them about the undisputed podcast and what yeah. you're doing in this world right now yeah, the podcast's a, a a big one right now. Um, we keep making tweaks, and we're we're trying to um, fine tune it, polish it up. Um, having a blast doing it. Period. Um, that I I can say wholeheartedly. We just had uh, Colt Cabana on, who he and I go way back, um, and he's just man. Talk about an OG. Yeah, like just one of those guys. Like you brought up Ring of Honor, and and I know. Not to get off on a tangent because I tend to do that, but here we go. Now go um, off. <laughs> I um, when I was coming up, um, I was one of Devito's guys, and Cabana was working Ring of Honor at the time, so was Devito. And like where I grew up in upstate New York, you know, the there's really no independents, and the independents that are up there are are, are not good. Um, so what I knew of pro wrestling was just WWF, NWA, which would later become WCW, just the stuff I grew up on. So when people were talking about indies and like the first few I went to that were in Albany or somewhere close to it, it was like, I, you know, like people sitting in the locker room who I thought were like the janitor, not that I have anything against the janitor, but then I go to the ring and it's like, Oh no, that's your opponent. It's like, it was, it was bad. <laughs> my introduction to ring of honor at that time was like okay well from the production value i could see that it was an independent little bit better but still you know they just they didn't have the budget right but yeah. then i see guys like cabana and i see guys like 
Loki, like Cabana and I talked about how good Loki was and that just the grace with which he does our business. And, and even Cabana who, you know, I come from a football background. I see Cabana. He looks like a guy I play college football with. And then he does an acai moonsault. And I'm like, what the, you know, so that being the introduction for me really to like Indies that were, um, you know, full of, full of like, uh, you know, savages. And, yeah. and prior to that, I went to the Indies and I, I just felt like a, you know, no pun intended, but a fish out of water because I felt like, man, I like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an athlete. These guys, I, I, I didn't feel like I was in a locker room of, of my peers. I felt like mm, something's, I don't fit here. No, but you, you kind of had like a, kind of a slow build to getting into you know the prominent promotion like ring of Very honor slow. Uh, <laughs> <Very> <laughs> like, slow. Doing my research, yeah. I, I've learned yeah. more about you and you kind of mentioned it there that you had like a football background so kind of what yeah. made you enter those this crazy world of becoming a professional wrestler when you know starting off in your football background and then yeah. going into professional wrestling yeah, this is going to be, um, I, I don't know, necessarily surprising, but a little ironic. Um, and I'm going to try to short, give you the condensed version. Um, I had finished playing college football. I really, you know, any nine to five or anything that I tried wasn't, wasn't really happening for me. I was actually uh, part owners in a, in a bar restaurant and I was still like learning how to wrestle. And um Prior to, to that, uh, I had taken this marketing job and on the road, um, the people I was with, I had just met and I, I you know, I was, I, I was in an FYE. I don't know if they even exist anymore, but I was in an FYE and I saw Pure Dynamite, the autobiography of the Dynamite Kid. And when I was a kid, he was one of my favorites. However, without the internet and all that stuff, when he disappeared from WWE TV, like I had no idea that he went back to Stampede because that's where he was, you know, working previous and discovered. And I had no idea. I had no concept of his whole run in Japan where he was, you know, like such a trendsetter. And anyway, um, I'm reading, I read that book while I was on the road with this company and um, it, Iggy'd me on like, oh, okay, well, you go find a school. You go or you go find a person to train you because my generation coming up, like we you didn't know. It was still pretty protected business. Like nobody knew yeah. how you, you become a pro wrestler. And uh that kind of gave me a little bit of a roadmap. Now, like the way the book ends is is you know, it's a pretty sad ending to to Tom Billington, but um the it it gave me a roadmap to get into the business and tough enough was a thing then so it was like a little you know becoming more exposed so that's actually how i uh how i found my way in got yourself a roadmap from one of the all-time in-ring greats that's that's yeah. awesome yeah. and then you kind of got up, like you said, on the Northeast, the uh, upstate New York kind of indie scene. And then you yeah. kind of made your way into pro wrestling Noah. How, how did you kind of get that gateway to, you know, transition from kind of lower independence to one of the more like at a time when it was really growing pro wrestling yeah. Noah at the time that you went in? Yeah. How did you get your foot in the door there? Uh, yeah. 
uh, Noah was like the company in Japan and, and I didn't know it. I, I wasn't, you know, again, up to speed on things, but you're, you're in the midst of that grind. You're, you're working indies um, and you're going to, they have these camps and things and, and seminars and like, you know, some, it, yeah, people are making money. Um, but sometimes you got to gamble, you know, you got to take chances. And, and I thought like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this, but like, I don't have connections to get to Japan or anything. And uh, I'm not, you know, even getting a sniff at WWE at the time. Not that I can remember, but anyway, I went to Harley race camp and um, Harley, you know, so like I said, definitely somebody's making money on these, but there are opportunities if you got potential. So the one that I was at Kenny Omega, it was Kenny Omega was there. I was there. Um, actually Kenny and I were roommates. <laughs> really? And I, yeah, we roommates. We were roommates, uh, in the hotel that week. And, um, uh, so WWE was there for a couple days. Noah was there all week. Um, so you're just trying to do your thing. And, uh, WWE, um, had nice things to say, but they, they weren't, um, that interested in me um they were kenny kenny got signed out of that one i believe um noah was bringing over a few people um they ended up picking me out of that camp um and so i thought okay i'm going over you're going to stay in the dojo and you're going to train uh because that's what the the gimmick was was you would go over and train and uh it was um, a six month, I think, or three month stay. Anyway, when I got my flight itinerary from Harley, I called him because I said, hey, this has got to be wrong. It says three weeks. Like, I'm only there three weeks. And uh, he didn't have an explanation. Nobody really had an explanation. And then, um, like I said, I'm going to try to condense these stories. <laughs> Lo and behold, they brought me over. And the first night in, I was on Samurai TV wrestling my first singles match on Japanese soil. I was probably five years into wrestling, five, four or five, because it was 2000, 2005 end of 2006. I think I started officially 2001. Um, so, you know, I, it, you got thrown in the deep end and you, you know, had to learn to swim. And man, Noah was... I learned so much in Noah and probably gave away a few years of my career because <laughs> every night you were fighting for your life. You went in like in a time where you had like Kenta and Marafuji oh, were on their way up. I know, yep. uh, I think, believe at that time, Kenta Kobashi was still with uh, Noah and Masawa. <laughs> yeah, I had the honor of... Um, being beaten up by Masawa and Kobashi uh, numerous times, um, you know, and, and towards the end of time there, like they started to, uh, you know, I could get a little offense in here and there, which, which to me was the nod of approval, which meant everything to me, you know? Yeah. What a great experience.
And like you said, you started in like 2001. And like I started how this interview started, I discovered you when you came to Ring of Honor in 2012. Kind of how did you get your foot in the door with Ring of Honor? I know you had worked with a couple of the guys that were over in pro wrestling, Noah, that were in Ring of Honor at that time, like Eddie Edwards. But yeah. what brought the, what brought you into Ring of Honor? And how did your pairing with Kyle O'Reilly, which I, I, I'm very rare in this wrestling world, and I've watch a lot of wrestling i'm 35 after uh just a couple of weeks ago and i've watched like 30 plus years of professional wrestling and sure. i don't remember two guys that were paired up together and instantly you saw the the connection and the chemistry like you and kyle o'reilly so tell us how that tag team formed when you came over to ring of honor yeah um i, I mean i i take that as a, a high compliment but i i will um I will follow that with, we felt it too, which it was <laughs> weird. Um, Kyle and I had known each other. We actually, uh, there was a, a Harley camp time, like a few years later, he would come to a Harley camp and uh, Noah, because I was working there regularly, was having me come back to some of the camps that were in Eldon. And Kyle was there one year. So we definitely knew each other. We had worked um, for Evolve a few times. Gabe, Gabe Sapolsky put Kyle and I together. We were the first Evolve match ever, like number one out of the gates. And it was him and I. And uh, Gabe wanted it us specifically because he wanted that style, a little bit of that like martial arts influence coming in. I, to me, it's the Samoa Joe style. Cause at that time, like nobody was doing it as well as Joe. No, I mean, maybe low key, but <laughs> okay. So we'll say low key <laughs> and Joe is low key and Joe style. But um, yeah. Uh, so I had flirted with ring of honor a few times under different bookers, uh, Pierce, Gabe. Um, it just never, nothing was sticking, you know? Um, and then Hunter was there. I knew Hunter. Um, and they were going to bring me in and, uh, I was going to do a dark and, um, I had, I was at a point, you know, for me where it was like kind of that crossroads of, you know, I gotta, I gotta make th this either has to work or I, I gotta, you know, find something else. And, um, that, that weekend was one of the last weekends I was going to like, give it a, a, a real honest go. And, um, so uh, things worked out and they brought me back for some more bookings and the way that they had me coming in lended itself to giving Kyle a direction because they were trying to split him from Davey and I could come in as the entity that was like maybe influencing him now and turning him against Davey. And so we did that and then, you know, here we are jumping Davey, who Davey was the top guy for them at that point. Uh, so we're instantly getting some of that rub. And then it also gave Hunter's idea and that Hunter's idea. It was Hunter's idea to put us together. Uh, delirious. Yeah. And um, it gave reason for Eddie and Davey who had kind of split ways. You know, Davey needed somebody and Eddie had his back and then we're off to the races. First off, the chemistry between Kyle and I was instant so that was such a huge plus. But then on top of that, um, I give so much credit to Hunter for this. Um, but he also knew like the fans, I mean, you couldn't get hotter baby faces than Eddie and Davey coming back to get everybody loved the wolves to begin yeah. with. 
So for them to be coming back together, people are nostalgic by nature. It's what it is, is what it is. But you're a good booker when you take advantage of that, which Delirious did. And it made us instant heels, even if we sucked. Um, but it also gave us so much room for Kyle and I to figure out who we were and to be, you know, we, we, we came up with our gimmick. We, we, we created, we both had similar martial arts influence styles, but like, you know, I, I, I was wearing scarves and, you know, twirling my mustache and, and tight pants and trying to be as douchey as, as, as we could to bring as much douche out of ourselves as we could. Cause it just, it, it was so easy to bounce off of Davey and, and Eddie at that time, man, what over baby faces they were. Most definitely. And who, who came up with the red dragon name? I, it, the name was uh, me. Uh, I was reading a book at the time and it was something that I took from the book. Um, it was red dragons with an S, but I shortened it to just red dragon and I thought because Kyle and I both did martial arts and we're trying to be heels. So a couple of, of little extra detail layers that were things that as a kid, I growing up, I loved about wrestling were the details. And so I figured, okay, Red Dragon, anything dragon is very, you know, commercialized American martial artsy, you know. So anything dragon, they're going to think like, oh, these guys you know, these two fucking karate guys think they're dragons and, you know, and red dragon. I don't know. It just sounded douchey to me. I was like, it's perfect. And then as we're trying to, I'm trying to come up with a way to like, you know, design what the logo might look like. I realized like, oh my God, there's a D and an R simultaneously in the spelling next to each other. Fucking Davy Richards. It's perfect. It's perfect. It'll be all lowercase and we're capitalizing the D and the R and we're never going to acknowledge it. We're never, <laughs> ever going to say that that's what it is. Let people come to their own conclusion. You know, and that then, was my next question was why was yeah, the D and the yeah. R? <laughs> I mean, that's truly what it was. Uh, because the way we were coming into things was was through a, a, a feud with Davy Richards. And it was Kyle's bone to pick with Davy Richards. So it was kind of like that shot at Davy. And it, it put, you know, and I think it was putting some heat and some steam on the thing, unspoken, but with Ring of Honor fans, between me and Davy. Gave us a bone of contention because, you know, here I, I kind of, you know, influenced his guy to, to you know, further get away from him so yeah i mean it was just fun to like layer in those details just so much so much fun and you know so much success with that rivalry with uh, the american wolves and then winning the roh world tag team championships against one of the greatest tag teams the greatest tag team yeah. in ring of honor history the briscoe brothers yeah, uh like down. tell us kind of how that was you know being in the ring with them and then of course most recently we lost jay briscoe earlier this yeah. year tell us kind of your like your emotions finding that out this year too yeah. Um, I mean, the Briscoes guys that uh, coming into Ring of Honor way back when I was just cutting my teeth and wasn't, you know, definitely wasn't even getting dark matches or anything, just setting up chairs and, you know, driving back with DeVito. Um, the Briscoes, you know, you couldn't help but notice them. 
Um, and then they would go on to just have this epic, epic career and, and with that, that same company. And they were integral to the growth of that company. And they grew up in that company. So like the accolades go on and on. Um, but more than that, like they were just a, like a, a, a pleasure to work with. You know, they were that I got into pro wrestling not to dance. You know, I, I, I've been an athlete since I was eight years old. I got into Taekwondo at eight and have always done martial arts, played football, played lacrosse. Like, you know, I've been banging my head into things and other people for most of my life. So I probably explained some things, but wrestling was going to be a continuation of that for me. Like I didn't start, I didn't get into wrestling because, oh, well, it's, it's entertainment and I don't want to get hit. And I no, I want to get hit, hit me. I'm going to hit you. So you might as well hit me, you know? And that's the kind of guys that Mark still is. And the guy that Jay always was like, there was no daylight. He was bringing it. It felt like a fight and it looked like a fight. And the intent was not to injure anybody. Everybody was professional, but Man, you you knew you were gonna be sore when you were working the Briscoes, and they brought it every time. Never disappointed. Um, and for us to take, so we already got the rub from Eddie and Davey, and then we take the titles. That's more rub. But you got us taking the titles from the Briscoes. I mean, I can't. Hunter really set us up for success delirious really set kyle and i up for success so to that uh, you know for that i will eternally be grateful to the man of course of course for sure man just so much uh, success early on in that career and i feel like you guys were kind of at the centerpiece of like a new kind of age, uh, like rebirth in an age of popularity for ring of honor just a couple of years later when you got into a rivalry with the young bucks and this was yeah. a time where, where you know they had the partnership with new japan yep. you guys were able to go to new japan and feud with the young bucks over the iwgp junior heavyweight champion as well tell us how kind of like because you kind of had talked about how your style is more you know martial arts based and all your taekwondo uh background same thing with kyle o'reilly and then you're versing you know the guys that are known for super kicks and mm -hmm. high flying kind of yeah. what was kind of your mindset going in and how do you look back on that rivalry that you guys had in ring of honor and new japan yeah uh so the bucks at that time you couldn't not know who the bucks were and on the come up, like I knew of them, um, we knew each other in passing, but you know, and, and they were, there's actually a ring of honor match back in the, um, not direct TV, but with the company before Sinclair Pierce had them, but there's a dark somewhere in ring of honor on the, uh, you know, maybe on a, a VHS tape somewhere, um, it's the Bucks versus me and Silas Young, and it was a dark. And so, you know, like we were familiar with each other, but not as familiar as we would become. And we were oil and water. I mean, you know, in the ring, total opposites. Kyle and I, there wasn't a lot of daylight. Um, you know, the the Bucks did a, a very different sort of um, pro wrestling. But 
the first time we got in the ring, like it, it just complemented each other so well. Um, and you don't necessarily know that's going to be the case, but it just, every time after that, it just got better and better. And then new Japan, um, inquired about Kyle and I coming over there and I had experience in Japan, obviously with Noah, but, uh, you know, would be going to work for a new company. This was Kyle's first time going to Japan. So, and, and it was one of those bucket list things, I think for Kyle's career, like, of course he wanted to go to Japan. A lot of, a lot of us did. And, um, we got to go over with the bucks who we were already pretty familiar with. And, and we, we just developed this chemistry over there with them. Um, first night in with new Japan, we worked Kushida and Alex Shelley and, um, had pretty instant chemistry with them too. Um, it, it was really just, there was, there was a, a circuit of guys that circulated through ring of honor at that time and new Japan, um, some PWG like that was, just, you know, cause then that's where like a riddle or something would have come in. Uh, but he wasn't in ring of honor and he wasn't in new Japan. So I'd say between those three companies, uh, man, it, it was just, it, it was the critically acclaimed stuff. It was the underground stuff. You know, it was the stuff that uh, the artists would look at and be like, yeah, that's the good stuff. Like, yeah, there's this other stuff, but that's the stuff. And man, there were just so many performers, um, Trent Beretta and um, just people that, you know, that not necessarily, uh, on usa network on monday nights at that time but they you know we were we were doing some good stuff man it was awesome and the bucks were part of that we were part of that i mean the bucks were <laughs> more than a part of it <laughs> we were so married to them in uh in new japan um really we became very close with matt and nick outside the ring um their family guys uh i wasn't a christian at the time i'm a christian now uh but I remember the the conversations with them and their faith was always remarkable to me um, and them just being family guys and, and, and that stuff. So um, yeah, it was uh, cherished memories for sure. And, you know, just going over and remembering all those great matches you guys had in Ring yeah. of Honor. And then, you know, you got a cross pass again in AEW. So I want to bring that up. But okay. before before all of that, you know, you end off your Ring of Honor career kind of on your own as ROH World Television Champion. Had that great rivalry with Roderick Strong and then yeah. immediately go over to WWE and NXT. And it's kind of the same familiar faces already there. You know, Kyle yeah. had just came over. Roddy was already there. Adam Cole was on his way there. Kind of how was that transition from, you know, ending off your Ring of Honor run as a singles competitor and then how you got into WWE starting off with NXT? Um, it's really interesting. They, uh, you know, Hunter had the plan for uh, Cole and Kyle to end up at um, uh, in New York. I forgot what the name of the end of the year one was. Um, or every year with Ring of Honor. What is it? Uh, uh, Final Battle. Final, Final Battle. Battle. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, could it be any more <laughs> obvious? Um, 
But he had to start that because Hunter was a guy that planned long term and he was good at it. So that had to start and it had to start months before. So he had kind of started that and it was pulling Kyle and I away from each other, but not not pulling us away like we're not friendly and we're not team anymore. We're just not teaming right now. And it kind of worked because New Japan still had us teaming. Um, but then things built between him and Adam. And part of the way that we did that was something happened with he and Adam. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they, in a, uh, um, a detour along the road to getting there, Kyle and I looked aligned with Cole. Somehow it just, it happened. And I remember it was just a house show and it was the three of us in the ring and, and however it played out, it wasn't going to be buttoned up for another few weeks. So it was just the reaction in the house that night. And when three of us stood in the ring, like notice something, it was like, whoo. And so I had this light bulb go off and was like, I'll just at least throw it out there. So I had mentioned to the office or maybe Hunter Direct, I don't remember, but like, hey, what if we give this a name? And then if for no other reason, we just run it for a few more weeks than you had planned and we just sell some T-shirts maybe because I think and then when when it does turn, it'll have even more, you know, behind it. Um, but in his defense, you know, Hunter had this plan for like and I, I don't blame him for not you know, <laughs> not going that way. He, he had his plan, but it's just, it's uh, ironic that that was kind of a bump in the road. And then uh, anyway, things go the way they go. And Cole's got interests coming from, um, from NXT and all of our contracts were up and Kyle had interest. And, um, you know, then there was interest in me and, there was talk of, you know, potentially coaching down the road, but coming in as a as a performer um, to begin with. And, uh, yeah, you know, just conversation went, you know, if somebody had said to me all those years ago, you know, when I was working in NOAA and stuff, uh, because at that time, WWE's prototypical, you know, person was at least six foot, and probably shouldn't be north of 30 years old. <laughs> so if somebody had said to me at that time on the come up, like, yeah, you'll get the WWE, you'll have a, a run there, blah, blah, blah. You'll be successful to this, whatever. But you're not, <laughs> you're going to be 41 when it happens. <laughs> I'd have been like, you're smoking crack. <laughs> so yeah, it's never happening. <laughs> not like that. But that's, that's exactly what, you know, what, what happened. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think uh, timing is everything, and uh, it it for me it confirmed like what my father had had um, kind of um, kind of pressed on me growing up. Like, just keep going, just keep one foot in front of the other, and just keep um, persistence and perseverance, and like. Sometimes it's not who's the best, but who can eat the most shit and still smile. You know? And Very true. Yeah. 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 
And, you know, like I said, I was one of those Ring of Honor Hammerstein guys. So I was actually there as well when the Undisputed Era formed at TakeOver Brooklyn in 2017. <laughs> oh, shit, so okay. my, yeah, like to be yeah. there and see you, you like come into Ring of Honor in 2012 yeah. and then see all you guys come together. But I did not know that they kind of had y'all like, uh, you know, in in the ring together in ring of honor and then you know coming into to nxt and then forming that kind of whose idea was it to kind of put you guys together and then how was kind of undisputed era like came to be yeah nobody really knows because it was so quick you know that little brief detour in ring of honor and the only one that made any real like thing of it was me to hunter just thinking if we could yeah literally i'm just thinking of like a little bit of merch money let's buy some t-shirts um and you know i don't know i don't know if i don't know if somebody else saw that or what the situation was but when we came into nxt um kyle and i were were we were thinking they'll probably tag us but we didn't know because I came in, Roddy was already there, so he wasn't even a, a thing at that time. He would be later, uh, yeah. but it was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to be back in the same locker room with Rod. Like, that's awesome, because we were literally four great friends, um, and we came in, and uh, Kyle and I thought there was a good chance they might tag us, and we didn't know what they were going to do with Cole, and then um, we were getting closer on time, and I had already debuted. Uh, then they had Kyle come in and do a similar thing with uh, with um, Malachi Black. Um, yeah. And then uh, Cole hadn't come in yet, but we knew he was going to be under contract. And my suspicion is that Hunter Hurst Helmsley, uh, Triple H, not Hunter Johnston. Yeah. <laughs> although they're both, you know, great bookers in their own right. And they, they are huge uh, parts of my career and Kyle's and Adams and everybody else's. Uh, anyway, uh, I, it was, it was Hunter, you know, and I remember the day that Kyle and I were in the gym at the PC and Hunter asked us what we would want to do. And we were just tossing around ideas and that one came out of his mouth. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, yeah, like I'm looking around waiting for somebody to come out and be like, ah, we're just screwing with you. We're not going to do that. Um, because I, th I think if you had asked us all honestly, we would have said, yeah, put it in a group. I mean, what's cooler than like that run? It was like not having a job. Like I just went and hung out with my friends every time I went to work. So there was nothing job about it, you know? Uh, but yeah, that was Hunter. Um, that was his idea. Just like uh, putting Kyle and I together was the other Hunter's idea. Hunter, Hunter's done a lot. Hunters yeah, yeah. have done a lot Hunters. for your career. Yes, they really have. <laughs> they really have. And you know what's crazy? <laughs> this just occurred to me. When I was in high school, one of my best friends was this girl, Michelle Hunter. <laughs> really i just had a whole uh light bulb moment there but wow yeah something the, about hunters maybe the i need epiphany. to hunt the yeah. the the, tri the triangle of hunters there you go you just <laughs> yes. you just connected I just completed it all it. yeah yeah 
<laughs> oh man, but you know, such an iconic run with Undisputed Era in NXT, and then you know it started to kind of uh you know work its way out into like to, uh, 2020 during the whole pandemic era where you guys kind of turn babyface for the first time, and then eventually Cole turns on O'Reilly. Kind of at that time when it was kind of uh, meeting going to its end, did you guys kind of see it uh, coming, or did you kind of was it kind of just brought on you that it was kind of time to kind of split the all the all four of you guys up um if i'm being honest i don't think anybody wanted that i think that at some point the powers that be thought but i don't think they were even sure uh that they wanted it at that point i think the pandemic turned everything on its head i think there were some things that went on with uh pat mcafee who was kind of the entity that was going to help us turn babyface with the war games and all that stuff, which we did. Um, we definitely felt like, and I believe uh, WWE felt like we had a babyface run in us, and who knows how long that's going to go before things would, you know, and then, and like, who knows? You can't predict. So, especially in pro wrestling. Um, so I think that decision ended up being because they just ran out of other options and the pandemic and everything was, you know, no, no audiences and everything was changing and now they needed, you know, there's just, it, Hey, it's just life. That, that's how it goes. And, um, I'm a firm believer. My faith tells me that it's his schedule, not ours. And there's a reason for this stuff. And he was preparing us for something else. You know, not for the four of us to stay together. Um, and uh, and who knows? Who knows what that is? And we may never know, but um, I have faith that it'll make sense. So you eventually, uh, you know, leave WWE. Kind of tell us, yeah. like, how was that kind of the, the period from leaving WWE? And then eventually kind of I, I've heard the story in similar interviews, kind of your run in AEW just came off you responding to a tweet, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, I mean, social media is what social media is, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I especially when I'm home, like, man, I, I try to, I just, I don't pay much mind to it. I, I really don't. I got my wife, I got my daughter here and they deserve my attention. They deserve my time. Um, that, you know, my, my 10 year old loves uh, pro wrestling and she watches all of it. So she watches Monday nights. She watch, we'll, we'll watch SmackDown tonight. She watches Dynamite on Wednesdays, uh, all of it. So, yeah, it was, uh, it, it came off of a tweet. And, um, you know, next thing I know, because I had started to work independently at that time. You know, I did my 30 day with, with coming up from WWE. And then I had set up a bunch of bookings. Um, I actually had a pretty full calendar for the next six months. And um, did that thing, didn't know where it was going to go. And then one conversation led to the next. And um, it looked like there was a, a chance to, uh, to be there. Um, we, we, had, we went back and forth on some contract stuff. Um, and I asked, could I, I only want to sign a year. I just want one year. So uh, that was voluntary. Um, 
and it, it, you know, at that time, the boxing um, thing kind of came on my radar. And so I was going to do that. And I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, at no time in the past almost decade would I have been able to do that if I was, you know, otherwise. So, um, yeah, I, I was I, I was hesitant to get into anything long term because I, I wanted to have the ability to do those things if uh, if they came to me. Yeah, because I was going to add, because it was kind of just like the one year, about 10 months with mm -hmm. AEW. And it seemed like at that time, they were kind of gearing you guys towards a potential feud with the elite. So like, mm -hmm. were they in talks or in the plans? Because you left like pretty much right before Kenny comes back. So you kind of yeah. missed the guy you say, like your roommate with, you kind of missed him in that time period. You worked mm -hmm. with the company because that's when he was out with injuries. So like was that yeah. in the plans and what led to your decision to leave AEW? Yeah, the plans were always um something between the group of us, some some uh version of Adam, me, um Kyle, Roddy if he ever became available, um and then there was Matt and Nick who we already knew we had such chemistry with and Kenny um, and Kenny and Adam are great foils for each other. And like, there was just, you know, the things that made sense, they made sense. And I think everybody, even without talking about it, knew kind of where we were headed. Um, Tony books the show and, and he, I'm sure had that long-term as well. I believe he did. I can't speak for the man. Um, but you know, things happen, variables get in the way. And, and, uh, sometimes, you know, I mean, pro wrestling, sometimes things don't work out the way that, that you, uh, plan and, and a booker has to, has to roll with those punches, especially. So, um, we, we got close to some stuff and then we were still waiting on things and then injuries and then other things and then contracts come up. And, you know, really all it came down to with me and AEW was we couldn't agree on a, a number going forward. We couldn't, we couldn't agree on, uh, well, not even a number. We couldn't agree on numbers. Like, so we're talking everything that would be in a contract and, uh, yeah. we tried, you know, and, um, my agent at the time, uh, who knows their lawyers, um, they they tried, but we just couldn't come to an agreement. And so, you know, I don't overvalue myself, but I do value myself. And I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to shortchange myself. So other people can, but I'm not going to devalue myself. And that's kind of where we were. So, yeah, I walked, you know, and that was it. It was it was amicable. I mean, they were like, OK, well, yeah, we're not going to. And I said, OK, I'm not going to either. So, yeah. yeah. And with seeing that Roderick, you know, Roger Sean just went over to AEW, I would be amiss to ask, is there a chance that you might want to revisit that conversation with AEW, seeing that Cole, O'Reilly, and Strong are now all contracted by AEW? Is there any chance or any thought in your mind about revisiting that, or are you fine with what you're doing right now with your family? 
I love what I'm doing right now. I mean, if I can be completely honest, like uh, this trip back to the Indies, um, as as uh, awkward as it is at times, because it's like, you know, it's been so long. Um, it's also like I'm finding this new love for working in a, in a different way and, and the freedom with which I get to go out and do things. And, and then you don't realize because you're around so many people who've done this long enough and they've tweaked it and they've got, you know, there's polish and they're really, um, you don't realize the things that we take for granted from a knowledge standpoint, other people don't know. And so like, I'm getting an opportunity to, um, help pass on some of this two people that I, I work with or I talk to, or if I do a seminar or whatever it is. So, I mean, I can't, uh, I can't put it over enough how much I'm enjoying that. And that's something, you know, I mean, this is a pretty selfish business. So like, you never really think that that's going to float your boat. So when it started to, I was like, wait, what's, what is happening? What is this kumbaya shit? But like, yeah, man, I, I really kind of love giving back, giving back and like, you know, saying something or pointing something out to somebody on one of these shows and watching the light bulb go off for them. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool because I know that I had so many of those moments my myself in my journey, you know, when we get to these destinations, you know, we, we forget the journey that's, you know, behind us and that, that that's where the value is. That's the good stuff. Absolutely. And thank you so much for your, your time. I got a little bit extra time because I lost track of time because I was oh, having such right. a good time right. kind of talking about everything with you. So <laughs> one final question, because we kind of went over your whole career here. Please let us know kind of in your mind, what's kind of your proudest moments from your your whole entire career? Can we come back to this one? Is it okay to go over a little bit on time? I'm okay with it if you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you go yeah. over a little bit? Okay. Um, I just want to go uh, back before we come back to this one. But when we talked about taking the uh, Ring of Honor titles off the Briscoes, I never uh, really got into um, the stuff with Mark uh, and Jay. And uh, I just wanted to revisit, like, I mean, obviously, and not going to bring things down, um, you know, but, but I want to go back to it because the thing that has inspired me the most, uh, with the whole, um, tragedy with Jay has been the faith of the Pew family, um, to watch Mark, to watch Jay's wife, to watch big man and their mother, um, especially at like the, uh, services and stuff, like they were holding people up. Um, and, and I've heard recounted, uh, Jamin's faith, which I know he and I had some conversations on the road about that. Um, and I wasn't in the same place I am today. I, I'd love to have a conversation with Jamin today uh, with where I am as far as faith goes, but to see the, like the faith that Mark has is, uh, and he walks it out. He doesn't just talk about it. 
mean, he literally walks it out. And if you go back to watch him and Jay Lethal on Dynamite, like you'll see examples of it there. And, you know, if, if, if you were at the services, you can recount um, seeing it there. Um, I mean, Mark is just, I, I can't get over the faith of that family. It's just truly inspiring. And uh, I mean, talk about Hall of Fame careers. Like if those if those guys aren't in the uh, Hall of Fame somewhere at some point, like uh, I don't want to be in that Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, nobody's saying I'm going to the Hall of Fame, but you know, I, you you deserve. You know, man. we we we've been over it, you know man. You deserve it because, yeah. like I said, I I've seen a lot of your career, and you know, this was why it was an honor to kind of speak to you. Yeah, so I'm glad you kind of touched on, you know, the Jamin's faith, and you know, Jay Briscoe being such. I I that was one of the rare times when a wrestler passed away that you know, being just being a fan. I cried. I cried because yeah. I remember all the moments meeting him, all the it, moments sir. watching him wrestle. Like it, it got it. to me. He was realist of the real, you know, like I don't think he could be fake. If he, you know, if you said, listen, Jamin, I need you to be something you're not for a week and I'm going to, you know, set you and your family up with money for life. Like, I don't think he could pull it off. I think he would have tried because his family meant everything to him, but I don't think he would have been successful. Like he was just who he was and what you see is what you get. And he was a beautiful person. Um, and there's uh there's some of Jamin and Mark. I don't know if Mark knows it or not, but it's there and you see it. And it's, it's nice to see because it, uh, it makes you realize that Mark's faith is hard to argue with. It's really hard to argue with. 100% agree with yeah. you there. So like I said, I want to cap off this interview to kind yes, of sir. just in your there. mind, in yep. your mind, what is kind of your proudest moment of your whole entire story career? Um, It's hard to narrow it down to one. Um, I think that NXT run, because it was with my three best friends, um, that'll always be special. Um, working in New Japan will always be special. The rivalry with the Young Bucks, the chemistry between me and Kyle. Um, I'm going to boil it down to this. We were kind of, um, and there, there, there's great ones too, like with the war games and stuff, such, you know, incredible memories for me. But I think one of my prouder moments, it was uh, TakeOver Philadelphia, and uh, Kyle and I, I believe we led off the pay-per-view. Uh, we wrestled AOP. And being a kid that was such a fan of the NWA, and I was always very like drawn to tag team wrestling. And I realized at some point, like a lot of these matches are Arn and Tully are on the other side. But I generally liked the team that they were wrestling. And it wasn't until I started doing this that I realized, like, oh, it's because... I actually was drawn to Arn and Tully because of so much sleight of hand and all the stuff they were doing. So to be trusted by the company, um, Hunter and Sean were, you know, more or less creatively running that company, knowing what wrestling they were fans of growing up and knowing what wrestling I was a fan of, which was that time to be 
on a pay-per-view in a scenario where like Kyle and I get to go out and be Arn and Tully and AOP are basically the road warriors. And, uh, and, and they, you know, they were, um, AOP, they were a little bit green at the time, but they, man, talk about potential and talk about like just talent up the wazoo and impressive. And, and then, I mean, the kid just cap it all off to look outside the ring and Paul Ellering is standing there. Come on. Just uh, one of those moments where I, I had to, had to remind myself like, yeah, this is your life. This is, you know, this is happening. Became your heroes in a moment right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, truly. Got to play, got to, yeah, got to step right into, uh, you know, because we've done that as as children, right? You're playing whether it's war or, uh, you know, cops and robbers or whatever it is. Like my friends, you know, um, it's always conflict, right? There's always conflict. It's always good versus evil. And that's what pro wrestling is at the end of the day. It's a morality play. And that's what drew us all into it. And uh, yeah, we got to, we got to be, uh, we got to be the brain busters, Arn and Tully. I don't know who's who. I, I think, I guess, cause I, you know, out of me and Kyle, I'm probably the chubbier of the two. I guess I'd be Arn. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think Kyle will, Kyle will like that. And, of course, yeah. shout-outs to Kyle. Hope that he's uh, doing well. I, I don't know if you've been able to talk to him in his yeah, recovery. We, yeah, we stay in, in good, uh, pretty consistent contact. And and he's uh, he's still on the mend, but he's doing well. Improvement every day. He's got uh, – he and his wife, Erica, they got their uh, their first daughter. So, uh, you, as nice. you can uh, relate to, they are uh, – she is keeping them on their toes. Um, and I know it, it helps. It just, how could it not just helps Kyle period, but he's doing good. He's doing really, really good. That's awesome to hear. And thank you so much once again for all your time, please let the thank people you. know watching this interview where they can find you on social media, where they can find the undisputed podcast. And most of yep. all, I know there's a lot of people out there that want to see you wrestle. So any independent shows that they could see you wrestle, any seminars where they can yeah. learn from you as well, please let the people know. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, the Undisputed Podcast, we are with the Premier Network. So we are, the video is available on the Premier Network. Um, I believe some of you would be familiar with the Premier Network. Um, Freddie Prince Jr. is now in the mix here, and there's a lot of exciting stuff going on there. Uh, Ted DiBiase's podcast is going to be on there, RVD. Um, BobbyFishApparel.com is my store. We have some uh, new podcast merchandise up there uh, that just hit maybe last week. So you can definitely go there as well. Um, we have a YouTube page for the podcast. We have a TikTok. Um, I'm not really sure what they are. <laughs> show my age a little bit here. Um, I'm going to have the producer, the editor. Okay, He's going to put it okay. in. He'll put it in. <laughs> okay. As far as socials, uh, the Bobby Fish on both Twitter and uh, Instagram. And uh, I will be this weekend wrestling in Orlando tomorrow, actually, for uh, Atomic Legacy Wrestling. That's tomorrow night. Um Next weekend, I will be in Tijuana, Mexico for Crash. 
Um, and Saturday I will be in Cincinnati, Ohio for uh, Tri-State Wrestling. And, uh, and, and you're not going to want to miss that one. Not that you're going to want to miss any of them, but I'm wrestling Matt Cross, which I am so looking forward to. I mean, talk about, he's just, he's one of the OGs too. Yeah. He is one of the OGs. And I remember like one of the first wrestling video games, the backyard wrestling one and and dog 20, uh, Matt Cross. So like, yeah, it's just cool. All this stuff's just coming full circle. And I love my life, man. I really do. You are blessed in many different ways. So thank you so much. Bobby, I appreciate your time. I appreciate getting to know you you through the interview beforehand as well. Thank you so much. Uh, My pleasure, sir. Anytime. (laughs) This has been True Heels BTR Between the Ropes with Bobby Fish. We, It is me. It is me, your True Heel Phenom SP3. Like this video, share with your friends, comment down below, tell us what you think, and we will see you next time.